so he's not able to sing. It's just one of those days. It's like, let's go pick a fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mr. Chris, I did not ask, but do you still have the picture of the old church that I had on there last week? Is it still on there anywhere? The one that was all run down, vines growing. Put him on the spot. We'll see how he handles pressure. He's probably not much in the mood for pressure. Um, had the funeral service for his mother-in-law on Monday. Chanda, we continue to pray for you. We, uh, Wes and I went to that uh, funeral, very nicely done. And um, just praise the Lord for a, a home going of a believer and uh, how much that does help. And then we conducted a funeral here on um, Wednesday, had church service on Wednesday evening. My brother Gary flew in on Thursday, had a wedding here on uh, Saturday, had men's prayer breakfast, ladies' Bible study Friday, and doing another uh, funeral on Monday. Um, can we take a break on the funerals for a while? Um, really just like to have a little bit of a break. Uh, you cannot die and expect me to do anything on Thursday. I'm going to Cheyenne Frontier Days. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I uh, just pray for this funeral tomorrow. And, you know, it, it, I, I've had this discussion with our church family before, and, and I know that it weighs heavy on on all of you also just the responsibility of helping out and and uh i i truly do appreciate everyone that's able to step up and and help and and uh it, it's a it's a major burden and a, and i just really truly appreciate everyone uh in in helping helping out with all of that so we're, you were not it's gone gone and thank can you send him the picture of that old church again yeah, we'll put him under pressure. So while he's doing that, you know, I was thinking, I love watching the kids bring the offering down. I've told you that before. Uh, and I've had people tell me when we were in the old building, well, save room, you ought to send the kids down early. I just don't want to do that. Uh, I love watching those kids just joyfully come and give. And, and you know, the day comes when we are running 2,800, the tithe of this county, that about a thousand of those might be kids. Won't that be awesome? I, I just pray and ask that God will do something great here, way beyond our imagination and thoughts, and, and I just pray that. And I, I don't know, maybe there will come a time where, um, I'm not saying it is, I, I don't know yet, but m maybe there will even come a time for some kind of a school um, where not only, you know, we can leave the social programs out of things and we can teach them how to do math, not algebra, that's straight from China, and it's ungodly. I have survived 55 years, and since Mr. Bain taught me algebra, I have not used it since. Thank you, Lord. Everybody says, oh, you use it every day. No, I don't. And so don't argue with me. I'm living in my reality. And so we'll teach them math. We can, we can teach them how to write. We can teach them how to communicate by writing and how, by speaking. We can do trade schools where all, all the, anyone that wants to know how to build something, you know, with wood, we have the carpenters that can help with that. 
We, we, have, we have people that know how to weld. I, I wish I would have learned how to weld. And you're thinking, why does a preacher need to learn how to weld? Because there's been times where I needed to weld. And so uh, auto mechanics, you know, at least learn some of the basics. There's a thing underneath your car called an oil plug, and you need to figure out how to take that out and drain your oil and, you know, and change your oil filter. And, and uh, some of those things you break down on the road, you know, you can actually take care of yourself just a little bit, you know, the... I think self-defense, I, I think some of those, I think we all need to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow if Bidenflation continues on, we're all gonna be looking for that squirrel and that rabbit. Let's pick a fight. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just think that, that in, our, in our society today that we, we, have, we can teach our kids how to, how to plumb your house, you know, how to take care of the minor things in a home and uh, electrical and and uh, you know all uh, how to garden you know how to, how to how to plant and grow a garden and and I think we have a few farmers in here that could probably teach us how to do some of that you know and and I, I don't know I just think that you know with our the the political system of today and I'm not look both sides of the both sides of this um, and there should be more sides than that but that's another story but Republicans or Democrats, it's all about politics, and it has, it, it, they've lost focus on, on just how to uh, survive and be, be good people in, in society, and I don't know, maybe there's a time where we need to come back to that, and, and uh, uh, we uh, continue to grow, and we have the facilities to do that, then maybe that's something we need to look at doing. Um, I'm just tired of watching our kids have to face the challenges that they face today that we never dreamed of 30 years ago. And, and so there were challenges during our days, and, and, and I understand that, but not in the, the seriousness, I believe, in, in what we're dealing with today. I, I don't, I honestly, I don't remember seeing children. I, I, don't, I, I never had a friend that I knew have a panic attack. I never, I never saw uh, my friends get to a point in anxiousness to the point of where uh, that was, you know, they just couldn't function in society. And, and I'm sure there might have been some of that, but there just wasn't all those pressures. And, and my heart goes out to all of you who are parents today, and uh, I, I just want to encourage you to continue to stay in the battle, continue to raise your children, continue to... Uh, love your children, continue to, you know what, it's okay to tell your children no. It's okay to tell them, no, I do not want you going with that person. No, I don't want you going there. No, you're not going to stay out until two o'clock in the morning. I don't care what everybody else does. This is what you're going to do. You know, it, it, it's amazing. Um, my wife had to be home at at 9.30, 9 o'clock, when we first started going out, and then 10 o'clock was as late as it got. And so, uh, and then yours truly, I, I had nothing. I could go however long I wanted to, and I wish I'd had some boundaries. You know, and, and I think of, uh, uh, you know, some of the dumb things that was done after I took her home, you know? Uh, it, what, did you think I went home after I dropped her off? You know, I was stupid in that day, and so, 
and a lot of regrets during that time, and, and I'm glad God kept her blind to half of my stupidity. So 34 years in a couple of weeks, <clears throat> and I um, just appreciate that. But I, I, I want to challenge you because a, as, we, as we see the, the fading of that church, that, that was my home church. That's where I grew up. That's where when I was a young child, I went there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special meetings. When, when I was very small, I went there. And, and that, that was there where I preached my very first message when I, after I was called into ministry. And it was there that I was saved. It was there that I remember uh, vacation Bible school. It's there that I climbed that crimson maple on the left part of the screen and got yelled at by Fred Sherbaum, who owned it. You know, I, I remember running in the back, and I... I, I remember the the uh, the vitality of of that of that church and and the outreach that it had in that small community of Spicker, Missouri, and and then I, uh, Teresa and I drove through there this spring, and and it's been this way for a while, and I just never took a picture of it, and I did this year, and and it just it, I don't know, it's one of those things that it just sunk in, and and I can't let it go, and. Uh, and I mentioned this last week about, you know, the, the, what, what causes a, a church to, get, to go that way. What happens? Now, I, I understand that in, in our, there's a real battle in our small towns now just to stay alive. I mean, you know, you have Amazon and Walmart and all these big corporations that put the mom and pop shops out of business a lot of times. And, and, I, and I understand a lot of uh, people are are moving more into the urban areas, and, and uh, I, I understand there's a real battle there culturally, too, that, that small towns are, are having to face, but it, it doesn't give us any reason still for, uh, if God is in it, then there's no reason for a church to die. And what causes that? What, what happens? And brings it around, and I can, I can tell you that I mentioned this before that probably one of those things that, that keeps me awake at night is the fear that that happens here. And the biggest fear is that I'm yours truly does and says something stupid that causes it. You know, and that really makes me break out into a bad sweat. And so if you only knew who I really was, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, whoever said that, thank you. You know, I mean, it's only by God's grace and mercy that that God uses any of us, you know, and, and, and thankful, but oh, how careful we, we need to be because that didn't happen overnight. That, that didn't come just that all of a sudden the whole congregation just walks out and closes the doors and, and it's over. It doesn't happen that way. It really is what uh, is, a, is a slow decline, and so we need to stop the decline. There was a song, I, I, I wrote out the, the words to it called Slow Fade. And it says, be careful little eyes what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands. As darkness pulls the strings, be careful little feet where you go. For it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. 
Be careful, little ears, what you hear when flattery leads to compromise. The end is always near. Be careful, little lips, what you say, for empty words and promises lead broken hearts astray. And then the chorus, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and thoughts invade, choices made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. The journey from your mind to your hands is shorter than your thinking. Be careful if you think you stand, you just might be sinking. And it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray and Thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day, daddies never crumble in a day, families never crumble in a day. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know, and, and, and I understand it's talking about the crumbling of a family, but that church is a family. I remember Ronald Hammonds and his wife. I remember Fred Sherbaum and his wife. I remember Eddie Stewart and Nancy Stewart and their son, Tim, who was one of my best friends growing up. I remember John Simpson and Artis Simpson and John passing away from a heart attack when he was in his early 50s. I remember Norris Ramsey, that man of God who preached the word of God and loved the congregation and made a difference in so many people's lives. I remember the day that he baptized me in First Baptist Church in Princeton, Missouri, because we didn't have a baptistry that was working. And so I, I remember Miss Kirk, who came to me and, and, and when she was 90 years old and came to me and she said, I want you to know that, and, and she had been a widow at that time for almost 60 years. And, and she came to me and she said, I want you to know that you have been a direct answer to my prayers for years and years that God would call someone into full-time ministry out of this church family. And I'll never forget Mrs. Kirk. I'll never forget her prayers for me. I'll never forget her. I'll never forget Joe Adams, who she was my Sunday school teacher for so many years and so patient. And, and, and I'll never forget those the the times that we had in, in running around downstairs in that crazy basement of that church and, 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 and just annoying Janet Brewer to tears. And I remember that. And, I, and I'll never forget those things. And, and I just find it sad when, when you look up and, and it had such a wonderful legacy and now it's dead. And so let us make sure that this church doesn't go that way. And there's ways that it does come about, and those are some of the things we need to guard against. So we're going to look at two negative aspects and then one positive aspect today. And what would bring about the, the decline of a church, and, and what would bring it to the point where, where you can see that God's power is not in it any longer, and so the doors are shut. And, and even, I, I, don't, I don't even remember what kind of church it was, but I came into Sterling the other day on the west side on Highway 14, and there was a church right there at the, at the intersection where the stoplight's at. It's gone. Dozed it down. And so I don't know what, what would, maybe they built a new building somewhere else, or I have no idea, but I just, uh, I just don't want that to happen. And so how do, we, how do we do that? Very topical message today, but first of all, we need to stop the worldly affections. 
as a church body. And it has to come, and, and we know we're not talking about a building here. We're talking about our people. And we're talking about how we need to have a new mindset about things, and, and, and we truly need to let God uh, change our way of thinking and help us. And in Colossians chapter 3, it tells us this in verses 1 and 2. If you then be risen with Christ, so in essence, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know him as your Savior, there's no doubt that you're on your way to heaven, then seek those things which are above. What is he talking about? We're not talking about those things that are in the trees above us, okay? We're, we're talking about things that aren't in this earth. We're talking about things that please God. We're talking about things that are heavenly. We're talking about things that are the, the earthly or the, or the heavenly blessings that, that God has given us, and we focus on those things, and, and we seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God knowing because we are seeking those things that <clears throat> we need to understand that there's a day coming at that bema seat of Christ that we will give an account for what we've been doing here on earth as believers. And so let us seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And then he gives us another command. And here, so seek those things which are above is a command. Okay, The next command is set your affection on things above. Exercise your mind, observe those things, and make sure that your thoughts and your attitudes are towards those things that matter to God. You know, we talked about how to control our anger. Well, one way that we need to control our anger is the first thing that, that when, when you come into a very tense situation, whether, whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, anger, any other of the uh, the very active emotions that we have, the first thing that you need to remind yourself is, is that I am a child of God and it matters how I react. And we need to react in a way that is God-honoring. And, and so we need to, in stopping this worldly affections, then we need to stop that worldly attitude. We need to have a godly attitude towards things and, and make sure that our attitude is seeking those things that are above. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Every one of these funerals that I do, I am reminded over and over and over what truly is important. And it's never been that that guy worked 100 hours a week. That wasn't important. It was a time that that person spent with their family. That time that they spent encouraging each other and, and, and investing in the lives of others. I'm telling you, the, the, the only thing that matters in our lives today that's truly going to last for eternity is the relationship that we have with Jesus and culturing that and, 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 and making certain that our uh, fellowship with Him is what it ought to be every day and then the relationship that we have with people. That's it. And you'll find that, and, and, and why? Because people's souls are eternal. And so we need to look to that, and, and we need to change our attitude towards things. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. You can keep your finger there in Colossians. We'll be back to chapter 3 in a moment. But secondly, in this worldly affections, be careful of your lifestyle. It tells us in Ephesians 4 and verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now here we know that there were times when he was in jail, and I understand that, but this is far more than that. Paul, real, he understood and realized the lordship of, 
uh, that Jesus had over his life. And he's saying, I am a prisoner of God, and I only do what my master tells me to do. And he says, and so therefore, the, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. Now he's talking to every one of us today who are believers, okay? And he's encouraging us. He is strongly encouraging us. If you're going to be wise, you are going to listen to what he says here because he is inspired by God to write this. So God is the one who really is telling you here, you need to listen to this. And I beseech you that ye, that's all, that's plural, that word ye, it means plural. And so it means all of you out here that know Jesus as your Savior, you need to walk worthy. You need to conduct your life Everything that you're doing, your attitude, your lifestyle, your motives, your priorities, your practices, all of those things, you need to be controlling those and walking and conducting yourself worthy, worthily in a matter, in a matter that is worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, under the calling that you are called. You know what you're called to be? A believer, a child of God. And you need to walk in a way that will bring honor and glory to God in everything that you're doing. Boy, we got all kinds of things out there that want to distract us as, as individuals and, and as families and, and really even as a church. And let us be careful because the devil knows as the family goes, there goes the church. And as the church goes, there goes the nation. Now, when you think of that and you look at where our nation's at today, that should tell you that that's why most of those churches are dead. Because they followed the lifestyle of the world. We're not into that and let us make sure that we are walking. And I'm not talking about man-made holiness here. I'm talking about walking in a holy matter, in a holy manner that, that will bring honor and glory to God. And how do you do that? Well, you ask God. Ask him, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm a believer, I trust you, and you know what God will do? He'll show you according to your knowledge of the word of God, and he'll bring those people into your life that will help you along the way, show you the things that, that they're doing in their lives, and you can conduct your life in a way that is honoring and glorifying to God. And let your lifestyle represent Jesus, and let it be worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Go back to Colossians 3 again, verse 23. Here it says, this also ought to affect our motives. And he tells us, and whatsoever you do, what does that include? Whatsoever you do. I mean, that's everything, right? I mean, that, that's, uh, what does it not include? It includes everything. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily. What does that mean? Don't do it from the heart. It ought to matter, Right? And you do it from the heart, and you and you and 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 you're doing it, and and that's a command, okay? Do it heartily, as to the Lord. I'm doing this for God, not to men. I, it really doesn't matter whether people are impressed with you or not. Just do what you need to do to 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 bring honor and glory to God, and those that that matter will see that and understand that. Those that don't and those that want to ridicule, those that want to criticize, those that, that want to have the, the worldly attitude and the worldly lifestyle, then they're going to be questioning your godly motives. But it doesn't matter. You just do what God's showing you to do. 
And you do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. But our priorities ought to be different too. Matthew chapter 6. These are all well-known verses that, that I'm using today. But Matthew chapter 6, such a great reminder to me. I am constantly referring back to this in my own life, reminding me uh, of what is important. Because I, I'm, I'm telling you, I <clears throat> several years ago, you wouldn't have seen me driving a vehicle with 147,000 miles on it. I just traded them. Loved to. Enjoyed it. I mean, I like, I like new cars, you know. I, I might have stopped and looked at the new Dodge pickup TRX that they have sitting over here at Corf in Brush last night. Until, and then I saw a Raptor sitting over there by it, too. And then I saw the price tag on the Raptor of $123,000. I walked away before I breathed on it. <laughs> you know how they you know how they can get that kind of money out of it? Because you'll buy it. Don't buy it. I'm sorry, Jim. <laughs> he would agree. I mean, uh, just you know, there there comes a point where who are we trying to impress? The people next door to you that really don't care anything? Are, are we trying to press the devil who wants to keep you so strapped financially that you have no freedom to do anything? And, and, and then what it does is cause squabbles between you and your wife or you and your husband and you and the kids. And, and then pretty soon you're, you, you know, you're in up over your head and all kinds of things and, 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 and your priorities are wrong. And you know what? Churches can do that too. As goes the family, goes the church. And so let us make sure that our motives are to honor and glorify God. Let us make sure that our priorities here aren't just to attract people, but truly to make a difference in their lives for eternity. We ever lose sight of that, then we lose God's power. And here it says in Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, God, you don't understand. i I, I, I got to make a living. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. God, you don't understand. I, I, I have a house and I have a mortgage that I need to pay for. And, and I need to get my children somewhere nice to live. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. God, i got to get to work and i got to have a car that, that's dependable. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, God, don't you understand? School is getting ready to start. And i got to buy all these clothes for my kids. And, and i got to get all these things ready to go. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. You, you go back through Matthew chapter 6, and God tells us, you either believe it or you don't today, okay? It is black and white. Don't go into the slow fade where things start becoming gray, where you think that you can justify your misbehavior and your lack of trust and your lack of obedience to God and, and, and think you can justify that and start making things gray instead of black and white. God says that, that look, he said, I'll take care of the sparrow. If I'll take care of the sparrow, you are so much more important to me than the sparrow. Isn't that nice to know that he cares more for us than he does the wolves of Colorado? Isn't it great to know that he cares more for us than the spotted owl that wants to make their nest in Oregon? Isn't it nice to know that, that he cares much more for us than, than all of these other things that are out there? And, and he says, look, I'll give you a home to live in. I'll give you clothes to wear. I'll give you the food to eat. Okay? I'll take care of those things. 
You seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's a command to all of us as believers today. Do we believe it or do we not? Do we seek God or do we not seek God? Boy, I've seen preachers that, look, I, I have no idea, okay? I, isn't this great for your pastor to tell you that I have no idea how God's going to pay for a new building. But I know that he will if that's what he wants. He'll do it. I've watched God do it. I've seen God do it for others. Why can't he do it for us? And it's not for our selfish intents. It's for God's honor and for God's glory. And, and God's kind of on a timeline because Miss Joyce wants to see it. She told me. And so God, I don't know, maybe, maybe that just extended your life. You're going to make it to 130, Joyce which would be fine. We'd love to keep you here. You know, we just know that if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll take care of all the other issues. We need to, we need to learn to live that way. You know how God does that? Uh, and, and I never understood this so much until now, but Dr. Kerala used to tell me, he said, you know how God sometimes take care, takes care of believers? He, he doesn't give you a new car but he lets that car run to 250,000 miles. Maybe he lets your tires get extended for another uh, a year. Maybe he allows that, that car or, or your house or, or whatever that, that you're needing help with, that maybe a hailstorm comes through and, and you're able to, uh, through the insurance money then, that God provides in a way that you can get the other things fixed that need to be fixed too. I don't know. There, there are times when you might be sitting at home wondering, I don't even know what we're going to do for food, and somebody knocks on the door and says, you know what, God laid on my heart that I needed to do this, and there was exactly what you were needing. I've seen that over and over. Oh, how we need to understand and keep our priorities what they ought to be, and that is God first in everything. God first. Don't, don't. Don't let the world pressure you into thinking that you have to make a choice between the world and God. Should never be a should never be a competition. It's God. That's it. Well, you might lose your job. It's God. That's it. Well, you you're I don't know, little Johnny may have to sit on the bench. It's God. That's all that matters. We serve God. We don't let the world convince us and tell us what to do. This, this world doesn't tell us as a church when we open, when we close. They have no authority to do that. They can say they do. They, they, have not, they do not have the God-given authority to go against God's word. God commanded us to, to meet and to assemble together. Thank you very much. We will. I mean, it, it goes on and on. And where are our priorities? Well, you find out that what it does then is it affects our practices. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Can I tell you, I'm, I'm going to share my heart with you. With our, with our kids growing up, I, Thane, was, Thane was just different. God called him in the ministry when he was young. I, I had no doubt. By, by the time Thane was seven or eight, you could see God's, God working in his personality, working in who he was. You could just see God's hand upon him that he was going to be called in ministry. He always just had different, 
different ideas and, and uh, uh, didn't, care, didn't care about sports, didn't, definitely didn't want to do sports. Maybe it wasn't uh, always a godly thing. He just didn't want to be under his brother's shadow on some of it, you know. He just didn't want any, any part of that. And so I didn't have any pressure with that. And the only, the only hard time with, with Thane is that, uh, and he's up there, so you guys, you don't have to narc on everything that I say about him either, all right? <laughs> the hardest part he had was he said, Dad, I just don't have any friends. But he did. They just weren't his age. He could, he talked, he talked to 80-year-olds. He, he could talk to the little kids. He could talk to the adults in the church. I mean, he talked to everybody in church, you know? And he could carry on a great conversation. I mean, that's who he was. So I didn't have any pressure with him. Didn't have much pressure with Kareth either. We, we did, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, we did the travel basketball, right? And it was in the spring. And while Teresa was a CPA, she, she was during tax season, so guess who yours truly had to haul her all over the place with this, with this basketball thing, you know? And you know who usually was there? It was the moms in the Suburbans, you know, and they were all about 15 years younger than me, and they all had their little group, you know, and then there was me, you know, and then there was Kara, you know. I mean, her first practice, she came home, and she wasn't crying. She was spitting mad because one of the little girls looked at her and said, you have fat calves, and I told her, I said, you should have popped her right in the lip and said, you got a fat lip. And I said, and then my wife was like, no, no, <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't. Huh? But she wasn't the one traveling around either, you know. But she's like, Kara's gone. She said, I don't want to do this. I just, I, I'd rather play the piano. So, okay, that's great. But Tyler was a different story. Tyler loved sports and was really good at baseball. And loved it. They, he was a good athlete. Their whole team was really good athletes. I mean, they went to state in basketball twice. You know, that, that team went to state in football twice. That, that same group of kids uh, went to state in baseball. Hadn't been in state in baseball for years, you know. Went to the very championship game, you know. And, and, and for the longest time, I had John Beltran, you know, the, get, making the call when Tyler in the, in the game before the state championship it was a game that got him there that hit a home run, you know, and that was his ringtone on my phone for, for a long time, you know, and, 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 I, and I loved it. But there was such a pressure. I understand, okay? There was such a pressure for Tyler to give in to whatever the demands were of the coaches of the day. And I started when they were young, and I told Tyler, I said, Tyler, God's got to be first. Okay. There were times where I told my son, Tyler, make me the bad guy. Just tell him, my dad won't let me do that. I'll take the heat. I'll take the pressure. And not one time do I have a regret doing that. And did Tyler fight it some? Some. But not much because it had been taught from a very young age that God comes first. And yeah, there were times where he might question it. But he also understood by being transparent with him from day one. And I told him, Tyler, this is hard. You know what God wants us to do, and then that's what we're going to do. And we did. Now, I'm not saying that our kids are perfect. I'm not saying that our family is perfect. I mean, I'm in it. 
But I am telling you that God blesses when we do it God's way. And our church is the same thing. Not, not only in our, not as goes the family, goes the church. In, in our priorities and in our practices here, let us make sure that we are doing what we are doing to bring honor and glory to God. That's it. 1 Corinthians 3, it says, And I, brethren, verse 1 uh, through 3, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. How do we know they're carnal? For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Look, we, we can't make decisions that feed our carnality. We need to make decisions that honor and glorify God. That's it. I, I mean, and this world is going to be constantly trying to pressure you into be con, being conformed to the world. And that's why God gives us a command, stop being conformed to this world. And so stop and be different. That's, I'll tell you, that's another reason for we ever, we ever get big enough. I, I, just like we do our little wrestling, I wouldn't have a problem doing high school wrestling, high school basketball, high school baseball. We could do it all and we could teach these kids that how, how, how important it is to keep the priorities where they ought to be. I have no problem with any of that. And so let us just understand that in, in all those practices, let's stop the worldly affections. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. The second thing says, Wherefore, where, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Second point, stop the worldly apathy. You know, we, we've gotten to a point where it's just, I don't care attitude. And, and we need to stop that. We need to, we need to go back and understand something. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I, I made this real simple years ago for our church family. We need to glorify God. That's up top right here. Glorify God. How do we glorify God? Two ways. That's it. Just real simple. We evangelize the lost. And we edify the believer. That's it. Everything that we're doing, every ministry that we do, every class that we teach, every time we preach the word of God, all it needs to be doing is seeking to glorify God one of two ways or both ways at the same time, evangelizing the lost and edifying the believer. Everything that we do. If we lose sight of that, then, then we just become a country club and, and we will become very apathetic towards the rest of the world and, and we're going to find out that it's going to cause us all kinds of problems because first thing that it'll do, apathy leads to an inward focus. You, and, and for time, um, you go back and read this on your own. Haggai, so towards the end of the Old Testament, the Minor Prophets, little book, I think there's... Uh, just two or maybe three chapters, but Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. And God tells them, said, hey, you need to go back. You need to build the temple. And he told Zerubbabel that while he's in Babylon. And he said, you need to get out of here, and you need to get down there, and, and you need to go back, and you need to rebuild the temple and get it established. And, and it tells us that 
And he goes on in that, and we find out that, that uh, while they're in Babylon, they're so busy living their own lives that God is not a thought. And then they move them, and they finally do get moved back down to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And they, they get shut down by the government of the day, and they get shut down by all the pressures of the day. And so they just go about and start building their own fancy homes again. And, and God says, look, I am not happy with you. Because you are all focused on yourself, and you're not focused on me, and, and you're not focused on the outreach that you ought to have, and you have become so inner-focused on everything that you want that you have lost focus of what your life is truly about. And he scolds them pretty hard. And I can tell you that as a church, if you have a church that only focuses on little ministries for themselves... And if you come as a visitor and you do not feel welcome because you have 72 clicks in here that, and, or, or there is some mindset that you need to look a certain way, you need to behave a certain way, you need to be the certain kind of person in the community that, that you ought to be before you are welcome here, I'm telling you, you have become an apathetic church and you are on the way to vines growing out onto the onto the building and the mold growing and might as well put Ichabod over the door and kill it today. Apathy leads to an inward focus. It leads to a loss of vibrancy of the, of the ministries. We just start going through the, the motions of the ministry. And look, I know some of those ministries are challenging. Quam is a, is a major undertaking. And it's a major dedication of those who help. And some of you have been there since that started. And I praise God for every one of you. Everyone that helps, I thank God for you. Because it is every week. You have that. And, you, and sometimes you can lose a little bit of focus on that. And you need to come back. You need to realize that that one evening might be the day that you make an eternal impact on some child that may change the whole course of that child and that family's entire lives. You just never know. And apathy leads to a loss of vibrancy. It, lo- it, it loses your, your, you lose your purpose of why we're here. And we lose the vision that we ought to have to reach our community and be God-honoring. You know what else apathy does? It brings us to a point where if you're apathetic in your own life, it leads to a decline in personal devotion and personal worship. There isn't the prayer you ought to have. There's not the Bible reading that you ought to have. The, the, the lack of communication, the lack of assembling together. I mean, those things do not become, they're, they're not very important to you. And, and, and you stop praying because you feel guilty. And then you stop reading because then you find out that the, the Word of God, all He's doing is convicting you every time you open up the Word of God. And, 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 you, and you're trying to justify your carnality instead of uh, allowing God to work in your heart. And, and then pretty soon you're not communicating with other believers because they make you feel guilty, or, or, or maybe the, the, the devil has planted some lies in your head. Now all of a sudden you think everybody is against you, and so now all of a sudden you find out you're against everyone, and, 
And I mean, all of that apathy leads to that decline in, in your personal devotion and your worship. And then, guess what? Then it infiltrates into the church, and, and then we see the church having that kind of a negativity and, and, and pretty apathetic to the point, well, fine, I'm just going to get mine, and that's all I'm going to worry about. And, and if I don't like something, then I'm not going to be a part of that, or, or I'm not going to support that, or, or I'm just going to keep withdrawing away from everything, and then pretty soon... Just put Ichabod over the door, walk away, and put a nail in it because it's dead. Well, I'm telling you, you see it over and over and over. Stop the worldly apathy. So stop the worldly affections. Stop the worldly apathy. So what's the positive thing? Start being a part of the solution. I mean, now I know and I understand that, that sometimes... But, you know, we're not the one that can solve it, but we can sure get involved. I, I find that the critics aren't the one who's actually doing it. The critics are the ones who are sitting back thinking that it needs to be done better, but they're not willing to solve it. You know, I got good advice for those of you, if there would be anyone like that. They'd probably be better off just to... Wendy just said it. Be involved. Be involved. I love it. Did you get the one of Tony? I'll show you guys a way to be involved. Oh, there's one. That's one. You could be in the play. There's a better one of him, but I don't know if we have it or not. We'll see. Oh, there's Dustin guarding the, the uh, dessert. Preaching. I think it's awesome. Ministry of the... That, that's uh, the, the assisted living, praying. Had one of Tony vacuuming. I thought that was awesome. You know, you can really run a vacuum. And so, look at this. Two things that make a church great. God first, and you focused on helping other people. That's it. That's it. You know, sometimes we don't do things the way that you think that it ought to be done. That's okay. Be a part of it anyway. And maybe you're the solution. You can help change it once you're involved in it. It's kind of hard to listen to a critic that isn't involved. And so, so what do we do? Start being the, start being the solution. Commitment. Solomon asked the question to all of Israel, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the work of the Lord? Well, I want to be. Let's all be. Let's be committed. Committed to God in our walk. Committed to God through our local church and serve him as we should. Be involved in people's lives and in the local church. You go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. See how involved they were. When they saw needs, they gave it. They helped whatever needed to be done. Involvement in people's lives, involvement in, in your local church, faithfulness. God tells us in 1 Corinthians 4, in the first five verses, that you know what God expects for us? To be faithful. You might be saying, well, there's nothing I can do. You can be faithful. You can be in your spot when the doors are open. You can come, and you, you, or, or you maybe not, maybe not come on a Tuesday night for Quam, but from 6 to 7.30, you're at home praying for that ministry. 
praying for safety, praying for soft hearts, and, and praying for energy of the workers, faithfulness. And the last thing, 1 Peter 5, 8, tells us that Satan is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Be sober. Be sober in the realization that, first of all, you're a child of God. And so walk in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God and be aware, be aware of all the challenges that are out there. Secondly, also realize and understand and be sober about the responsibilities that you have to this church family. It's important. It's important. Be involved with one another. Commitment, involvement, faithfulness, and sober thinking. You know what God can do with that? I don't know. I think it's beyond our imagination. I truly do. I believe that God can do something great here if we're all or just together. Let's figure it out. And let's make sure, let's guard against the worldly affections. Let's guard against having a worldly apathy. And let's seek to be the solution in whatever the problem may be. Let's pray. Father, I pray you do a work in our hearts today. I pray, Lord, that you will be honored and glorified in our attitudes, in our lifestyle, our motives, our priorities, and our practices. I pray that you guide us and keep us away from the apathy of the world and let us, Lord, use us. Use us to be the solution, whatever it may be. And Father, I pray that you will do a work in our hearts. If there are, if there are issues in our lives that need to change, whether we need to stop something or start doing something, whatever, but, Lord, if there's something that you're showing us today that right now we just take the time to pray and roll it over onto you, seeking forgiveness or asking God to give us wisdom. And, Father, help us walk out of here with a new plan in our hearts and our minds and new discovery of, of how important it is that we're a part of this and that, Father, you use us to do something great in our lives. Whatever it may be, I pray that you work in our hearts. Help us to get rid of that or do whatever it is we need to do. And Father, you bless our church family. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you need a little more time get some things right in your life, whatever it may be, or just do some business with God. Those of us that can, let's stand. We'll sing 132, the old rugged cross, just that first verse. If you need to do business with God, you can do there. You can come. Whatever it needs to be, you come. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old good cross. As I lay down, I will cling to the old rugged cross. 
it someday or a crown. You know what's the greatest thing about God's grace and mercy is that he can use any of us. And isn't that good to know? And so what is it that God wants you to do? And let's just be what God wants us to be. God bless you guys. Have a great day. There will be for the, the Bible study class is tonight at 4.30, choir at 4. So you come on out. Love to see you tonight. Thane's preaching tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed.